0: How are you? Welcome to the Candlelit Tales podcast. My name is Sereke and this is episode three of our five-part Tán bo Kuinla. Cúinle. We're releasing extra episodes this month as part of our Patreon Patron Appreciation Month. If you'd like to find out more about rewards and how you can help us make this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Candlelit Tales. But for now, let's get on with the story. Among the exiles of Ulster was a young man named Fieke, son of Firoba, and he came to Cú snuck up to him to talk to him in the night one evening, to tell him that Cú was not without friends among the exiles of Ulster. Although they held great resentment in their hearts against Magnesa, they still loved Ulster, their home and they still admired greatly what Cú was doing. And a part of Fíocó wished he could stand with Cú against the men of Ireland. Now Cú was resting at this time, near Ocón, letting the sea breeze keep him awake, because he'd been without rest for three days and three nights, harrying the army of the men of Ireland. In his exhaustion, Laig called out to him to tell him that a man was approaching. A brown-haired, broad-faced, handsome young man, with a brown cloak around him. In one hand, he held a white hazel rod. In the other hand, a sword, with the tooth of a seahorse as its hilt. "'Let him come,' said Cúchulain, "'because those are the tokens of a herald. McGrath came upon Cúchulain.' But he Did not know who he was, and he asked him who he was serving under. Kukulin replied truthfully that he served Gregor MacNessa. And MacGroth asked him then if he knew where the fearsome warrior Kukulin was. To which Kukulin replied, Well, anything you want to say to Kukulin, you may say to me. And so MacGroth still not entirely sure who he was talking to laid out the offer that Queen Maeve had discussed with him. Land and titles in Connacht, her friendship personally, great herds of cattle and livestock and a place at every feast in Crocon Eye, a high place and a place of great honour. If only Cucullan would leave the service of Magnessa and come over to her side. Cú Chulainn rejected them all. And so McGrath came back to the camp. Maeve asked, did he find Cú Chulainn? And McGrath said, I don't know. I met an angry boy between O'Conn and the sea. But I'm not sure if that was Cú Chulainn. And when Fergus heard that and heard what he'd said, he said, yeah, that was Cú Chulainn. Maeve sent him back again to make new offers this time knowing that it was Cú he was speaking to McGroth offered even more than they'd offered before more land more honour, more wealth more friendship and still Cú rejected him and furthermore he said there was one offer that he would agree to there was one man in Maeve and Olliel's army that would know what he would agree to and if any but that man came to make the offer to him it would be the last day of that man's life and so McRoth came back to Maeve and said I'm not going near him again
1: now Maeve turned to Fergus wondering what this offer was that this young man was talking about and Fergus nodded he understood immediately what Kukulin referred to. He told Maeve that Kukulin was talking about the right of single combat. He would face one warrior at a time, and perhaps this could buy Maeve some time. Maeve thought losing one warrior rather than a hundred every night was definitely worth checking out, so she sent Fergus to meet. Kukulin. Fergus arrived down to O'Conn where Cú Chulainn was keeping himself awake letting the salt wind and breeze blow his skin and keep himself awake after three days and three nights of harrowing the army he turned to see his foster father coming towards him now Cú smiled after all it was the first time in a very long time since he'd seen Fergus McRoy Kukulin had been training in Skog's Island while all of the fights and arguments between Kruhor and Fergus had even started. So he missed the entire episode of the Sons of Ishnak. And when he saw his foster father coming towards him, he called out a greeting to him, saying that he could knock down birds from the sky and set a fire and let them cook and offer him a meal to Fergus but he rejected. Fergus had a job to do and he relayed Maeve's message that she was happy to go through the right of single combat. But Cucullin had a number of stipulations. He told Fergus McCroy that he would fight a warrior at the ford every day. And while the fighting would last, the armies could march. But when the fighting was over, the armies had to make camp. He planned on making very quick work ...of every one of the champions Maeve sent him. Fergus turned to his charioteer and said he would mount and go back to Maeve. Now he had let one other man come with him, just to see Coo Mave's
0: Maeve's own nephew was a young warrior named Etter And when Fergus was setting out, Etter had persuaded Fergus to let him come. Just to lay eyes on this Coo who had such a great reputation... Fergus had warned him, saying if your pride meets his pride, there'll be something damaging will come of it. But Ettercomo would not be dissuaded. He watched the negotiation between Fergus and Cucullin, and when Fergus got up into his chariot and drove away, Ettercomo came over to Cucullin and looked at him very closely. Cucullin asked him what he was looking at, and Ettercomo said something to the effect of, not much. Now at that, Coo began to feel himself getting a little angry, but he said, You came here under the protection of Fergus McRoy, and so I'm reluctant to do you any harm. But if you want to be the first one to challenge me, come back in the morning, and I'll kill you then. Fergus saw none of this, because it was his custom never to look behind him when he was in his chariot, only to look ahead of him. He did not see Ettercomel going back to Cucullan. He did not see Cucullan arming up ready to meet him. He did not see Cucullan strike a blow at the sod under Ettercomel's feet, knocking him onto his back and giving him one warning. He did not see Ettercomel get up, refusing to heed the warning. And Cucullan, still restraining himself, cut all the hair off his head with one blow of his sword. Without drawing a drop of blood, and Fergus McRoy did not see that when Edercomal refused to heed that second warning, Cucullin cut him in half with one blow. When he did realize that Edercomal had died, he berated Cucullin for killing a man that had been under his protection. Cucullin told him to talk to Ettercomel's charioteer, and when he heard the full story. Fergus dragged Ettercomel's body back behind his chariot to present it to Queen Maeve.
1: Now Maeve turned to her first champion, a man named Nachrantail, and he went to the ford. It was his custom to enter into every fight and hunt with sharpened sticks hardened in the fire. So he went down early that next morning to the ford where he saw Cucullin running away from him. He came back to the army with a grin across his face, announcing that this boy had just ran away from the hardened warrior, but Fergus was very doubtful. He sent Fieke, son of Firalba, to find out what had actually happened. Fieke talked to Kukulin, who told him that he saw no warrior coming towards him. He saw a man with sticks, it was his custom to never attack any messenger or anyone unarmed, and so he would not do this man any harm. And after all, he was hunting for his breakfast, so that's why he ran. Fika told this to Fergus, and Fergus told me, Vu then told Nakranthail to get his ass back down to the ford. Nakrantel went back down to the Ford to face a Kukulin, who was now a very different size, shape and vision than the boy he'd seen before. His anger had come upon him once he had heard rumours had ran around the place, that he had ran away from a fight. Needless to say, Nacranthale died with one blow.
0: Now Maeve split off a third of her army and sent them north to Coolie to find the brown bull. And a rumour began to go around her camp that the only reason Cú was doing so well was because of his magic spear, the Gay Bulga. And if he didn't have that, maybe they'd have a chance. A satirist named Ray went up against Cú came to him, threatening all kinds of satire against him if Cú did not give Ray a gift of his spear. Cú Chulainn said he'd give him other things as a gift. And Rey said he didn't want other things, he wanted the Magical Spear. And so Cú Chulainn, with all of his might, threw the Gay Bulga through the head of the Satirist. And with his dying breath, Rey cried out, That is a weighty present.
1: Now Cú Chulainn began to practice many of the feats he had learned with Skalk, the shadowy one on her island high-hild Alban, the woman who had gifted him the great magic spear, the gay Bulga. And as he was practicing a particularly difficult feat, balancing nine apples upon one another with the sword and shield atop of them, a man came towards him, but Kukullin didn't really notice. Suleg cried out a warning. This man's name was Kerr, and when he looked up, this man was running towards him with blood lust in his eyes. And so Cucullin used what he had in his hand, one of the apples, which he sent flying through the air and through the head of Kerr, which went through his skull, out the other side, and landed with a large chunk of Kerr's brains in the ground.
0: Now, Cúchulainn asked Laig to go and talk to his greatest friends among the men of Ulster. There were three of them Lugud, Ferbeth, and Ferdia. And Laig came back with terrible news. Cúchulainn's blood friend and a fellow student of his on the island of Scahuc, Furbeth, was the next one who was going to challenge him at the ford. Heartbroken at this news, Cucullan couldn't even look at Furbeth as he came towards him to challenge him. He turned his face away and cast his spear at his friend. Not able to look, not even to see if it hit or missed, and even looking away, his accuracy was deadly. His spear went through Furbeth's head and out through his mouth, killing him instantly.
1: Now with four days, four fights gone, the army had barely gone four paces because while the fighting lasted, the army could march. There wasn't much fighting in these fights. So Orleil decided he might try and bribe Cucullin himself. Where Maeve failed, he might succeed. And he wanted to offer his daughter, Finever of the Fair Eyebrows, to marry Cucullin. But Oliel was afraid that he might be killed So he sent his jester and fool disguised as him with Finnevar down to the ford To try and bribe Cú Now Cú saw Finnevar and heard the Fools offer But he realized who this was and who it was not not believing that this was all Ile MacMothuk. He killed the fool instantly, and as a warning to Finiver, he cut two braids from her hair and let her go back to Maeve, her mother, and the army of Ireland.
0: Maeve and all did their best to keep that quiet, but the story, in spite of them, ran all around the camp. Naleigh went back down to talk again to Lugad and to Ferdia and find out what was happening. And Lugad sent back a message. That his brother Larna was the next who was going to face Cucullin. But he begged Cucullin, for the sake of their friendship, not to kill his brother. And so, when Larna came against him, Cucullin struck the man's weapons from him the way you'd strike toys out of the hand of a child. And then he picked him up and shook him and sent him back. Alive, certainly. But poor Larna was never the better of the shaking he got at the Ford that day. And from that time to the day he died, he was always a little bit shaky.
1: Now the following morning, Kukulan woke with a start. It was a great cry from the Northwest Plain, and Leigh was outside yoking the horse to his own chariot. Kukulan asked him what he was doing, and Leigh announced that they must go to the Northwest Plain. When they arrived there, they saw a red horse yoked to a great, beautiful chariot. A woman there with beautiful, flowing red hair, red eyebrows, and a red cloak that fell between the two chariots' wheels. She stared straight at Cú Chulainn with a grey spear at her back. Cú Chulainn asked her what her name was and who she was. She told Cú Chulainn she was the daughter of Boam, and she had sought him out. She had heard of the great and many deeds he was doing, and she offered him her help. She also told him that she had been helping him in every way up until this day, and she wanted now to lie with him, offering him her love. Cucullin responded that he had no time for things like this, for the company of a woman. Once again, this strange woman offered him her help and she told him that he had been under her protection but Kukulin did not believe this strange looking woman saying that he did not need the protection of any woman nor the love of her after all he had many more difficult things to do and the distraction of a woman was something he did not need she scowled at him then she told Cú if he did not accept her help, she would come against him whenever he met a match, a man of equal strength, a warrior that would test him to his limit. Cú Chulainn was furious at this, took his sword and leapt at her, but when he landed next to her, she disappeared. All he saw was a black crow near him. Then he knew. And Leig knew that he had been talking to the Moragoo.
0: There was a warrior of great skill in Maeve's army. A man named Locke. And Maeve went to him and asked him would he go up against Cú Lok said that he did not want to go up against a boy who could not yet grow a beard on his face. There'd be no honour for him in killing a boy. But he told her to go and ask his brother... Long so Maeve sent Long to face Cucullin at the ford and Cucullin made short work of Long after that though a great weariness and sadness came on Cucullin. he'd been standing alone against the army for so long with no friends and no one to help him no one to feast with and no one to talk to and it was in this mood he was when Maeve's messengers came to him and told him that he needed to find some way of putting a beard on his face because all of her warriors were too embarrassed to fight him.
1: Now, Cú Chulainn's rose up. He was embarrassed at this so he ran into the forest and gathered blackberries that were growing in abundance all around the ford and he smeared them across his face and as the sun rose then he saw a man walking towards him man named Locke. Locke saw this blackberry smearing and thought it was a beard, and, well, with Maeve's instructions to go after the boy with the beard, he did just that. He went toward the ford and Cucullan met him there in the shallow waters, and they fought furiously and fast. And Locke met him, blow for blow. He was a skilled and strong warrior. Cucullin had finally met someone to test his strength. As Cucullin saw a way inside Locke's defences, out of nowhere, a wolf appeared and bit her sharp teeth into Cucullin's raised arm. With a scream, he dropped his sword. He nearly lost his life as Locke gave him a wound across his side. Cucullin managed to roll around, dashing the eye from the wolf, who then scampered away. He regained his footing and continued the fight with Locke. He was pressed once more up to the point where he could kill Locke. A white heifer with red ears came charging at him, at the head of a herd of cattle stampeding their way down toward the ford they were ignoring Locke and going straight for Cucullin who jumped out of the way and managed to kick up at the heifer who tried to stamp over him. He broke her leg, swivelled around but instead got a lash across the back from Locke. Once more now wounded he stumbled back into the fight. He was pressed once more, meeting this man blow for blow, but once again he had him to the point where he might actually kill him, and an eel slithered up his leg and pulled him down into the water. He managed to crash the eel off the nearest rock, the ribs breaking, it sliding away, and for a third time he got a wound from Locke these three wounds might have killed any other man, but Cucullin managed to regain his strength his composure and, in a great feat he drove his sword through the chest of Locke who grabbed onto the sword and he asked Cucullin to let him fall forwards and not backwards, so he could die honourably, facing the man who killed him Cucullin pulled the sword from his chest and let Locke fall forward.
0: May was finding it difficult now to get champions to challenge Cucullin. There were three men and three women in her camp, and between the six of them, they had the working of an enchantment that she thought could bring down the champion of Ulster, and so she sent them against him but those six sorcerers fell before Cúchulain just like everybody else. And now that she had broken her agreement, the anger of the Hound of Mertevna was unleashed, and he began once more to harry her army. The men of Ireland made a camp in the plains of Mertevna, and they put up great walls all around it. Laig made a camp for Cúchulain on a mound overlooking it, and when he lit his fire that night, you could see the firelight from Cú Cullin's fire glinting off all the sharp weapons of the army of Ireland below. When Cú Cullin saw this, saw them gathered all in one place, saw all the cattle they had raided from the empty lands of Ulster and the territory of Marthevna, his own home, a great rage and sorrow came over him. Cú Cullin stood out, With his sword and spear and shield, and he gave a great hero cry, all his rage and all his loneliness and all his grief in it. And all the creatures of the valleys, the Beconocs, the Bananocs, and the witches of the valleys, they took up his cry and echoed it back among them, back and forth, until the very landscape was ringing with their shouts and shrieks and screams. Hearing this, the men of Ireland thought that they were under attack, And in their confusion and in the darkness, they fell on one another. And with no assault from any outside force, one hundred men lost their lives in that single night.
1: In the pale grey light of the early dawn, Cucullin walked through the forest near the ford, and suddenly a terrible thirst came on him. He saw an old crone with a cow next to her, by the path and he walked towards her. She was old and doubled over. Wheezing heavily, a crooked broken leg sat underneath her and she only had one eye which she used to squint at him. Coo hurried and asked her for a drink of milk from this cow which had three teats, he noticed. She milked the first teat into a cup and offered it to him With her gnarled fingers wrapped around a cup He took it from her And gave her the blessings of the gods His people swore by He drank it in one gulp But still had a terrible thirst upon him And so asked for another drink She milked the second teat And once more he took a drink From her gnarled hands Offering blessings of the god His people swore by And drank the milk of the second draught he was still overcome with thirst and asked her for a third drink and so she milked the third he he took the milk and drank it down offering her blessings once more and the woman he noticed stood up now straight breathed full into her ribs and looked at him through two eyes she smiled a terrible grin then thanking him for curing her of the injuries he had inflicted upon her She told him she would have worn those injuries till the end of time had he not given her his blessings and cured her of those injuries. With that, the Morrigan vanished, leaving Cucullan alone once again.
0: Maeve went to Fergus McRoy now and asked him to face his former foster son in battle. Fergus was not much used to scheming, He was an honourable man But in the position he now found himself Caught between vengeance for his king And loyalty to his province Some subtlety was forced out of him And so Fergus went to challenge Cucullan When Cucullan saw him coming He begged Fergus to turn aside But Fergus said to him No, I am not going to turn aside before you Cucullan You must run before me because if you think about it if we make this deal you'll run away from me and I'll run away from you in the future when this comes to a battle as it must in the end I will run before you and all this army will run with me And so if you swallow your pride this one day I'm handing you the victory in the end of it Cucullin was still loath to run away from anyone. But he took Fergus's bargain and he ran before him. Maeve cried out to Fergus to chase him down. All the men of Ireland called out that Cucullin was afraid of Fergus McRoy. But Fergus said he'd done more than anybody else had and he would not fight Cucullin again until every single one of Maeve's army had had their turn
1: and Maeve was surprised when she saw an outlaw, a man she wanted dead a man named Furku walking towards Gucullan after all she wanted him dead in Connacht for crimes he'd committed but he thought he might just win her favour by killing the man no one else could kill, so full of sprite he ran down to the ford but Cucullin, killed him like he killed everyone else
0: now may have found another challenger for Coo the sorcerer Calaton and his 27 sons and sister's sons and every single one of them had a poison in his body and poison on his weapons and every one of them could move with one mind as if they were one person and it was for this reason that they all said all those of Maeve's army that it was justified she to send twenty-eight men against Chulainn. Now Fergus was troubled in his mind and in his heart when he saw this huge host of men going against Chulainn. he put his head down and he gave a great groan. Fíaca son of Firoba came out to warn Chulainn, and as he ran down to the ford he saw Chulainn already in trouble. Caliton and his 27 sons and sisters' sons all cast their weapons at Cu in the same instant he caught all 28 of them on his shield and it was a good thing he did because the slightest wound from their poisoned weapons would mean sure death either on the instant or within 9 days but as Cu was cutting the poisoned weapons off his shield they seized him and with one intent Twenty-eight hands pushed Kukulin's face down into the gravel. He let out a cry at the injustice that was being done to him, and Fíaca could not stand by and watch. With one blow, he cut off all twenty-eight hands that were holding Kukulin down. And when Kukulin sprang to his feet, Fíaca said, "I am done for. If word of this gets back to Maeve and Oliel." Cucullan told him that no word would get back unless Fieca himself spoke it and he set about cutting Calatin and his 27 sons and sisters' sons into pieces one escaped and came running down to Maeve's camp crying out Fieca, Fieca but Cucullan caught him drove him to the ground and took his head off before he could get the story out and left Maeve Fergus, wondering among themselves, what debt was on that man's mind, Fieca being the word for a debt. Said, Fergus, all his debts are paid now.
1: Now Maeve was in her tent, wondering who she might send the following morning. She thought of one man, one man that could match Cullen, and so she sent Perferdia McDammon. Thank you for listening. That is the end of part three. We'll be back next week. This podcast was produced and edited by Oshin Ryan. The music was done by Oshin Ryan and Surika and I took all the inspiration from Lady Gregory. So, a lot of the details you can find in her books. Now, this podcast was made possible seeing as it is our Patreon appreciation month of November. We're releasing one podcast every week, which we don't always get to do. And it's made possible by Anna, Anne, Anne, Aoife, April, Claire, Claire, Connie, Desi, Di, Emmett, Emma. Keefe Margarita, Paulina, Russell, Selina, Simone and Sweeney. And Pamela. That was Pamela, was it? Cool. All right. Well, Soroka's here to correct me. So thank you very much and let's tune in next week. Thanks, Pamela.